0: This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San
1: Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, You know, we're heading, uh, it's Holy Week. A lot, a lot of people are either traveling for work, excuse me, for fun and family, or they're winding down their work, which means to say not much is getting done at work uh, or whatever. So welcome to the Pro-America Report. We're not winding it down. We're not mailing it in. We are here, although... On Friday, uh, we'll, we'll play a replay of, uh, some of our, our best of, uh, because we'll be, uh, traveling. But anyway, but today we're not. And so here we are. And it's, uh, time to talk. We're going to talk with John Schlafly in a few moments. We'll get an update on his most, uh, his most recent. Is that the right word? His, uh, yeah, most recent. I guess that's right. Uh, column that uh, runs over townhall.com. John Schlafly, the Schlafly report. And also we'll talk today with, um, Cynthia Hughes of the Patriot Freedom Project. She is the aunt, uh, of a prisoner. A J. Six prisoner, Tim Hale. She's also the founder of the uh, Patriot Freedom Project and an extraordinary um, uh, leader at the center of a lot that's going on. So we'll talk with those two. All right, but what you need to know today, I, it's a little lighter. It's a little lighter, but let me make a couple of comments on things. You know, we have wa- I have watched uh, as uh, there has been a, a lots of coverage, and again, let me point out. During a a week like this before Easter, when 98% of the uh, media and uh, and politicians and people working in policy are on vacation or mailing it in, you know, not paying much attention, the stories, the coverage is lazy. Uh, I told you uh, earlier in the week, you go to Politico and look and you say to yourself, huh, about half those stories could have been written two weeks ago. They were. They were. I mean, in other words, and and names you haven't seen before are writing stories because they've got uh, the the B or or C team in because the A team's on vacation. That's okay. But you can feel it. It kind of winds down, and and there's not much to talk about. So happily for the media and big tech and everybody else, you had Trump to kick around, so there was lots of coverage of him earlier in the week. But also you have to find these fake stories to cover. And one of the fake stories was the final four – of the women's basketball, NCAA division one women's basketball, final four championship game. So the final four was Virginia Tech versus LSU. LSU won. And then Iowa versus South Carolina and Iowa won. Now, South Carolina, I think they were undefeated the whole year. They had beaten everybody and they'd beaten everybody handily. So Iowa beating South Carolina was kind of a big deal. And the star in that Iowa game was this, uh, shooting. Uh, guard, I guess. She's pretty tall, but she's a shooting guard, just a scorer. Uh, Is it Caitlin Clark, something like that? And towards the end of the game, in the excitement of that, I think she made some gestures, kind of taunting gestures. And uh, so nobody said much about it. And then comes to the final game. And the final game is LSU versus Iowa. And LSU upsets Iowa. And LSU wins the national championship. Now, LSU's coach is a coach who was at Baylor and won a couple of championships. And she's kind of a in your face, flamboyant, kind of a little bit annoying lady, but she's a winner. Winner. Mulkey is her name. Interesting footnote. Her son, uh, for a while was in the, uh, St. Louis Cardinals uh, baseball organization. He was a great, he is a great athlete and a, and a pretty good baseball player. And I don't think he's in the pros, but he might be sometime. Anyway, so uh, when LSU wins, their star player, Reese, Alice Reese, Allison Reese, I forget her first name, um, taunts the Iowa player, just like the Iowa, similar to what the Iowa player did to South Carolina. And now the stories start and everybody's got a story. And it's covered, it's covered recklessly like the media. And, and, and they're now doing interviews. They got podcasts with this woman, Reese, this player, who won the national championship. Is a great player, by the way, great, I guess. I mean, I didn't watch the game, but I mean, I'm told she's one of the dominant players. And the Iowa uh, young woman is a really good player, great shooter. So, but this becomes a major story. And it becomes about race. It becomes about sexism, becomes about all this kind of stuff. And here's what you need to know. There's a point in this silliness where we're really not doing a a, a good job of honoring youth, which is to say, young people say stupid stuff. Young people do stupid stuff. Young people who have played uh, sports at the highest levels and, you know, the NCAA championship game in basketball, women or men, those are the best players in land, in the the country. They they tend to be hyper competitive, hyper successful, all sorts of hyper, whatever words you want to use. And so the idea that this young woman, Reese, or the other woman would do something dumb, say something stupid is, you know, what young people do. It shouldn't be a major story. By the middle of the week, we have the LSU player Reese talking about, oh, so this is what happened. Jill Biden actually said, well, we should invite both teams to the White House because Iowa sure played hard. And the LSU team was like, what? We just won. Why would we share the limelight? And this Reese player who was getting uh, criticized and she happens to be black. I don't know if it matters, except that was a race. There was a race part. If you criticized her for being um, uh, over the top, you were called racist. You weren't just called uh, someone who was being a little bit uptight. You were called racist. I don't, I don't care. On a basketball court, I don't care. I, you know, I, I'm sorry, but I told you a couple of days ago, I grew up in Jersey City, New Jersey. I played basketball in Jersey City, New Jersey. We played in gyms that when you went into the gym, you weren't sure You know wh- where, who was in charge. It looked like the players were in charge of security. I mean, you know, there were some rough places. And by the way, not just black, white, uh, you know, uh, uh, Hispanic, uh, everything. It was just that it was a rough and tumble. And that was basketball. People talked smack all the time. So I don't care. But Joe Biden does his a- invitation. And now this poor kid from LSU is being quoted and, and is now complaining about Joe Biden inviting her and uh, and that may- maybe she'll go see Barack Obama and Michelle Obama, sort of implying that since she's black, that's the place to go. It all made me think how terrible it is that we put our kids at the center of so many things that they just shouldn't be. They just shouldn't be, right? They shouldn't be their They're kids. We have to do some things to protect our children. We have to have some uh, ethics and understanding. There's, we shouldn't care what the kid says. Now, it brings me to another point. There has been this rush to make our children adults faster. We want them to vote younger. We want them to be able to do this and that younger. They can get on social media, which is addictive. Younger, I would I would ban social media for anybody under the age of 16. I would ban it. No, no permission, period. It never happened, but I would ban it. Well, and, and around the edges, especially, of all these things that sound like ethics and social, are these questions now of what they're doing to these kids when the kids express a preference for what the left thinks is important, meaning abortion or gender uh, uh, transformation, transgender stuff. If you're a kid and you say, I'm LGBTQ plus and I want to transition, you will be embraced. In fact, if you just say you're LGBT, you'll be embraced. And you'll be embraced to the detriment of the parents. The parents will not have a say on whether you think, well, let me say that differently. There's a lot of pressure to make it so that the kid is allowed to express him or herself for all time. This is who they are and that you shouldn't stop them. When we all know that most kids are dumb two or three times a day and often more, and you just need to grow up. And he, over in Idaho, the governor there signed a law, and I'm sure it'll be challenged. Planned Parenthood is objecting that said if you're aiding, if you're an adult and you're aiding a minor to get an abortion without parental consent, you are now trafficking. Abortion trafficking, I love the term, abortion trafficking, just like we have sex trafficking where adults take underage girls mostly and, and, and utilize them in the sex trades. Well, abortion trafficking, again, we have to have some kind of relationship between the law and parents' rights. You, you, you know, it's simpler on education. You're hearing more and more parents say, "I have rights, I want to assert my rights over my kids' education." It's a little simpler because it's just just education. It's everything education. But when it comes to changing your body surgery, hormone drugs, abortion how can it be that there is not complete consensus and agreement that other adults shouldn't be outside of what the parental uh, uh, role is? And remember. If the parent is abusive, if the parent is abusive, there are means under the law to, to challenge their control over a young person. There is that. That does exist. But it's being abused. If the assumption is if the, chi- if the parent disagrees with the child, that the child is right. And that can't be that way. So my point here is, as we skewer Reese and Reese becomes the Colin Kaepernick of women's basketball, much it's to her detriment. And Colin Kaepernick, making, Colin, Kaep- Colin Kaepernick made a decision at the height of his career to do what he wanted to do. And it was a, I didn't agree with him, but it was a decision he made as an adult. This kid is a kid. And I know someone's going to say, well, she's over 18. I think she might be 19, might be 20, but she's a kid doing dumb things. We ought to be counseling her not to do dumb things, not to, be, not to let herself be the center of it all. It's just not helpful for her. And we ought to lead the charge. Lead the charge like Idaho did on parental rights and asserting parental rights over, especially abortion, especially transgender, especially surgeries—things that are you—you—we're you, not talking about going to a concert. We're not talking about um, uh, uh, you know having a a preference in what you read or or even where you go. We're talking about transformative stuff that changes y- your physically and emotionally and everything else dramatically. Kids need to be loved, and one of the things about love is knowing how to express the limits of what people can do and how they can do it. So it's disappointing to watch, and we've got to be part of a, a movement uh, to take back our kids and uh, and to love them instead of um, pushing them to grow up in a way that's not good for them. All right, we'll take a break. We'll be back. John Schlafly, Cynthia Hughes, and a lot more. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. <coughs> Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to catch up with John Schlafly. John Schlafly with his brother Andy does the weekly column, The Schlafly Report, which is available at townhall.com, posts uh, Tuesday late afternoon, early evening, Tuesdays at townhall.com, also available archived at phyllisschlafly.com, phyllisschlafly.com. John Schlafly, welcome back. Before we get to the column, uh, which is about the uh, Trump uh, Indictment. I want to ask you. We were going back and forth about RFK Jr. running for president, and we had this exchange. Let's go back to RFK, the original. Um, he was ready to challenge LBJ. He was assassinated. You started to point out and, and walk me through the history of it. It was wow. Eugene McCarthy, I guess. It was the real, um, real a uh, problem for LBJ. But what was the timeline yeah. there? Do you remember? Well, clean,
2: clean Gene, or Eugene McCarthy, <laughs> right? softened up LBJ and unexpectedly got a lot of votes in the first I guess it was the New Hampshire primary uh, and proved that Johnson was vulnerable and so then Johnson uh, po- you know made a televised uh, announcement that he would not run for reelection and I think that's when Robert F Kennedy senior got into the race,
1: so I guess we can't we, campa- i guess we,
2: can, can, Kennedy can we was g- campaigning hard and he was, of course, had many more resources than Gene McCarthy. And then it came down to the California primary in June, which Kennedy won, and then he was assassinated that evening.
1: Um so we can't really give that one to RFK although he was looming in the background nobody I think he was doing his little Hamlet thing where he wasn't sure if he would challenge the sitting uh sitting president if I if I recall my history uh well enough that he he was you know contemplating people were saying you could run you could win Hughie McCarthy got in and said you know I'll I'll show you how this is done so there you have it but now fast forward I had forgotten this Edward Kennedy um really sort of cut the legs out from under Jimmy Carter I mean t- tell me that one
2: Well, he sure did. And that was 1980. And, uh, of course, it's easily enough. Uh, Ted Kennedy thought, you know, he he appealed to people who thought that Jimmy Carter wasn't progressive enough. Uh, But uh, (laughs) uh, he, you know, he assembled support. And, of course, the Kennedys have such a large amount of built in support and constituency, or at least.
1: Right, 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 right. At least I suppose, they did yeah. then. Yep, yep.
2: Whether RFK Jr. has enough of that to go forward, especially since some of his siblings and cousins <laughs> have not supported, yeah, uh, RFK Jr. on his campaign against Dr. Fauci.
1: Right. So, well, and 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 the more interest, the broader interesting question is RFK Jr. So on on uh, the environment, far left, uh, total lefty, except very much a critic of the uh, corporations. And especially the corporations that have used the international, you know, internationalist sort of globalist vision to take, you know, to to uh, to route our lands. So that's one. But then for more than a decade, he was a leading guy on vaccines, basically saying all these vaccines from pharma. They're they're all well, I don't know, overstating, but lots of them are really problematic. And one of those guys that was on the sort of edge saying, look, the vaccines are causing autism, or at least there's there looks like there's correlation and et cetera. Well, then along comes Fauci. And now um, uh, there's a lot of conservatives that think that RFK Jr., more conservatives and MAGA Americans, maybe, who thought at least he was standing up to the thing. I will tell you this, John, I was testing it out. His his um his aim against pharma and Fauci. It's pretty populist. It's got a it's got a, a following.
2: Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And uh, Ken, uh, he you know he spent years uh, tilling this ground, or people who question Big Pharma, as they say, yeah. especially when it comes to vaccines. And when so he was ready when COVID came, yeah. and the COVID vaccine, which of course was entirely paid for by the federal government, and uh, and then the the well, the manufacturers have total immunity from any liabilities that might ensue from their products. So the combination of that, plus the global aspect of it, uh, there's plenty of reasons for MAGA, you know, America First people to question what went down there.
1: Yeah, the, the problem is, the problem I think you'll agree, The Democrat party is not a party, I think, that, that can stomach RFK. I mean, they're going to go with power. I mean, they may, some of them may like it. They may like the nostalgia a little bit, although I think it's kind of worn off. And I just don't think that there's room, you know, I don't think they're going to, it's going to work against Biden, but it's certainly going to make it interesting. All right. John, I want to move over your column this week. Indictment imperils the rights of all. I read your column and, um, I thought, um, I, it got everything. It's got a lot in there and you could tell me more about it. What, what I didn't come away. I think a lot of people, a lot of people think uh, if they can get him, they're going to get me. I, I, I know that sounds odd to people. Like it's not like they're sitting around at home and you're saying, but I think people are like, wow, th- this is really just, they're just coming to take people out and between the woke stuff and uh, and the transgender stuff and the media stuff and uh, all these people that are silenced on platforms and January 6th that Tucker showed those some of those videos it's it feels like a breaking point
2: it's a justifiable concern now when when Trump first announced you know back I guess it was in November and he said you know I am your yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm your voice which he said before but this time he said I am your retribution yeah. You know, and and people took a were a little bit startled by that. But, you know, I think, as you say, Ed, more and more people are thinking, look, they're out to get me. And Trump is. Trump is taking the flak for all of us. And these people are not going to stop with Trump. They of course, they want to destroy Trump, but they're not going to stop there. And because they built up. Uh, such a, an army, such a, a powerful uh, set of tools which they can use to destroy people with. And we've seen this happen over and over.
1: Um, John, your, your column has uh, has some assertions that you said you mentioned off the air creative uh, about how you know the federal courts could could um, get involved in this to shut down interference with presidential campaigns. I'll leave it to people to read it because I want to ask you about the last couple of paragraphs and in particular, the last one, uh, John Schlafly, Andy Schlafly, Schlafly report. You write this as patriotism declines in polls and millions of immigrants fail to assimilate into our traditional culture. The glue binding our vast country together may have lost some strength. Well, I appreciate your generosity with the word may, but it feels undeniable that patriotism declines, that the, the things that we believed and said to ourselves have been undermined so profoundly and so well, meaning so effectively things like. That our founding was, you know, divinely inspired and was a, was an incredible shift. We the people was this monumental moment of empowerment of everyone that we were seeking a more perfect union and we keep seeking it. Right. And now it's all negativity and uh, downward trajectory. And I, I, I think the immigrant thing and not assimilating is a problem. But I also think that about 30 years of young people being educated that your America stinks. has has pulled them down
2: there's there's a combination of things ed you know and there's a certain sense in which conservatives are whistling past the graveyard to use an old phrase because you know they're saying this is our greatest country and then but there's a host of factors which i think many people are rightly worrying could be tearing us apart and uh, you know and for those of your listeners who are familiar with what our founders said and thought, you know, they you know they worried that this was an effort that might not last, that the history of self governing uh, of a self governing republic is not really very optimistic in the long term, and because there are factors and factions which could easily you know. turn this this around, and they set up our Constitution to try to suppress those forces, but here we are, and I think that we've got a short time. We always have a short time to uh, save our country, but um, I think people need to be clear-eyed and concerned about what the dangers are.
1: Um, John, the, here's, so here's my other question. You know, late Phyllis Schlafly, your mother, she used to to love to do these, uh, books and columns and things. And she'd always say, here's the problem, here's the problem, here's the problem. What do we do about it? I mean, as to this point, this last point about this patriotism and the glue that holds us together. I mean, how do you do that? It, 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 I mean, I, it, you know, give me some, uh, I'm not saying it's a plan for it, but in the face of the media's business model is negativity and many of the aspects of the left. That they're designed to just destroy. They're destructive. That's the point. They they actually. And I'm not saying all of the Democrats are saying I'll destroy the family, but there's segments of the communist movement and the and the far left movement that that's their goal is to destroy institutions, and it's working. I I don't know how. You know, I feel like sometimes the, the, like the Roman Republic. You're just you're at a point where it's 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 gone to where it's gone, and it, you can't bring it back.
2: Well, frankly, I think all those factors have converged upon one man, Donald J. Trump. Because if the uh, if other people if they succeed in destroying him, you know, all bets are off. Frankly, mm. and even people who were not, you know, part of the MAGA movement, I think they need to recognize that, and to uh, to basically save Trump uh, is a prerequisite to saving our country. That's how I see it.
1: Yeah. All right, John, I got to run. I'm out of time. John Schlafly, thank you as always. The column is over at phyllisschlafly.com. You're going to want to check it out there. And um, uh, I'm on a break here. We'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a pro America report. It's been a little while since we caught up with Cynthia Hughes. Cynthia Hughes is the founder of the Patriot Freedom Project, PatriotFreedomProject.com, and also the author of the book, A Due Process Denied, uh, which was out a couple weeks ago and has been uh, uh, she's been featured all over the call across the country uh, in doing interviews about it. The full title of the book is Due Process Denied, The Detained. The Families, The Fallout, Uh, Cynthia Hughes, Bombardier Books, uh, Division of Post Hill Press. uh, Very cool. So welcome back, Cynthia. How are you?
3: Hi, Ed. Thank you for having me back.
1: Well, first of all, um, holiday coming. And, um, you know, your loved one, uh, you know, you call him your uh, son. uh, He's your nephew, whatever you do. Your loved one, Tim, is in jail still. Um, how do these holidays go? I mean, it, for you, I'm sure it's tears you up, but how do these prisoners, uh, how does it, how do they, I don't know, frankly, how do they survive it?
3: Um, every week we have uh support calls with uh, several of the family members and we had one last night and, uh, you know, listening to some of the women talk, I, you know, I'm just, I'm in awe of them. They're, they're so strong and profound and, You know, they just keep pressing forward and keeping it, you know, together for their children, for their husband. Um, And I think, you know, you just, you know, we're built that way. I think, you know, we're built to survive. You know, we're built to carry our cross, aren't we,
1: Ed? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is, but it's um it's amazing the holidays as they come and go. All right, give me an update on the book, first of all. I mean, I know you like to say you're not an author, you're just someone who had to write down what was happening, but you know, you know, you know, published a book now. How's that how's the reception been? How have you either enjoyed it or settled into talking about it? What's your what's the due process denied is the name of the book? What how is it going? So
3: the the name of the book is Due Process Denied, The Detained, The Families, The Fallout. Um, it's it's going well. Um you know, I've, I've done several interviews about it and I've had a lot of people ask me about it. You know, we're getting some good reviews on Amazon. Um, and, uh, you know, I think when people read it, especially when they read, you know, the chapter on that Perna or the chapter on Tim um, or the, even the chapter, you know, on the families, you know, it's very insightful because many people in this country, they don't know you know, what's going on that, you know, you're the media coverage of January 6 is so heavy duty in such a negative way that, Mm -hmm. you know, people that really want to go beyond just what they're being fed by a very biased media, um, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're outraged when they hear, you know, the stories. I was at an event very recently. And um, the organizer of the event had a January 6 defendant just completed his sentence um he's running for office in west virginia his name is Derek evans and um you know he's got four children and when you hear him tell his story um how he was arrested you know his pregnant wife had just left the house and you know he was home with his three children it's almost as if the government planned for the wife to be away and you know for you know his children to have to witness you know their father be arrested I, I, there's so much fallout from here. And, and that's why I, I put that in the title of the book. And I think when people learn those things, um, you know, they're very upset about it. That's mm-hmm. what I've come across.
1: You know, um, we talked a few weeks ago. Tucker Carlson had played some of the videos. There's more attention on some of the trials, uh, that are going on right now. There's been revelations that have come out about, um, informants who were working for the FBI and other agencies and, and not two of them, but uh, more than 40 that we know of. Um, there's been some attention up on Capitol Hill from the Republicans in the House. They have some committees. They're sort of doing something, but, but I, but broadly speaking, it felt like there was momentum in the, in the direction of, you know what? What happened after January 6th in terms of sweeping people up? Um, it was wrong. It felt like the momentum was more and more people were feeling like this was wrong. On the other hand, as someone, the, the head of the Patriot Freedom Project and someone where people know to call you if they're in need, we're talking about hundreds and hundreds of Americans that are being arrested every week now and, and they're talking about arresting a thousand it's you know it's sort of like well you may think the momentum is one way because tucker and others are saying this look like a setup but it's not stopping um the uh the arrests it's not stopping the prosecutions it's not um it's not um um you know granting a pardon to anybody it's not lessening
3: a sentence no and and and, and it's it's not <laughs> i mean we will not See an end in sight to anything involving, uh, you know, January 6th defendants, supporters of Donald Trump, supporters of the MAGA movement, whatever, until the next president- presidential election. After the next presidential election, God willing, we have uh, a president in the White House, be him a Republican, be him a Democrat, um, that, you know, has a conscience. And 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 loves the country and and doesn't want to play, you know, this game of bias. Um, but but I don't think any of this is going to slow down anytime soon. I think that we're going to continue to see these arrests happen. And I think we're going to continue to see, you know, um, you know, uh, the American family um, who who was at the Capitol on January 6th, you know, continue to be obliterated right before our eyes. I mean, look what happened this week you know, with, with uh, President Trump. Look, mm-hmm. look what they did to him. I mean, the way they paraded him around and, you know, it, it, the game of politics, the, the game of political theater is so blatant in front of all of our eyes. And I'll tell you, I think if, if, if you were to put somebody out on the street and go from city to city, state to state, whatever, I think you would find that the people in this country are sick and tired of January 6th and, you know, and the and the, um, you know, the division in the country, I think people want, you know, uh, an administration, you know, in the White House um, that is for all the people. And clearly um, this C- administration isn't
1: Cynthia Hughes, is our guest. Uh, she's the author of Due Process Denied and also the head of the Patriot Freedom Project Patriot Freedom Project. Dot com. Right. I always back myself up. into is it dot org uh, dot org, <laughs> dot, org or it's dot, com? dot
3: com? Yes, dot com. it is.
1: Patriot Freedom Pro- Project com. Lots of people support that. Ten dollars, twenty dollars the other day. Someone sent nine thousand dollars. I mean, whatever you can do to help, I can assure you, Cynthia gets it to the families and there's lots of need. Um, I, I want to pause and ask you one thing because you went through this because you decided to help your loved one and take a role somewhat prominently um, of the organization like Trump. I, I mean, in the sense that they do things to make your family stressed and it doesn't matter that it's a lie. They lied about your nephew. You know, they, they, they lied about Trump. It just, it works, right? Your family gets stressed out. It's a heavy cost. I I mean, one of the things that normal people don't, I mean, I'm being, it's a compliment. Normal people don't do this and stay in the fray because it's too expensive.
3: Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, that's 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 one way of looking at it. You know, when I first started this and I first got involved in, you know, stepping up into this role um, and, and, you know, this firsthand, you've had a front row seat to everything. Right. Um, this was not easy. Um, you know, I've been attacked so badly in the media because of January 6th defendants who are who, who think that this is a game. You know, January 6th defendants who think that these donations that this foundation receives or any fundraiser is receiving, this is not a lottery ticket, Ed. These funds are not a lottery ticket. This isn't a tit for tat type of thing. Um, and I would say this, I'm very, I've come a long way. You know, I've listened to you. I've listened to, you know, our other board member. I've listened to Julie Kelly, where you can't be distracted by this stuff. Mm -hmm. And people wish that they could, you know, really tarnish you and break you. But I I can't be broken because I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing good things. And there's too many people that are grateful for what I'm doing. So, you know, a handful of people who are, I don't know, career criminals, maybe that, you know, are using January 6th as a business, as a racket, um, people that are just miserable. I I can't be I can't be, you know, my foundation will not be cracked because of miserable people.
1: Well, and and, and more importantly than anything, there's such a need, so you can't stop. I mean, once you think about yourself, I know you've told me about it. It's like then you get a phone call from a family or somebody who needs it. All right, i got to run. Unfortunately, I'm up against a uh, deadline. Cynthia Hughes, as always, PatriotFreedomProject.com, extraordinary work. And uh, we'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, back in a moment.
0: This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles,
1: Ed Martin. The first presidential debate on the Republican side will be in August in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where the Republican National Convention will also be held next year. Candidates who refuse to support Donald Trump if he's the nominee will not be allowed to participate because RNC Chair Ronan McDaniel just required a loyalty pledge by all the debate participants. This rules out Paul Ryan and anyone like him from being relevant. Ryan declared that he will not attend the Republican National Convention next year in his home state of Wisconsin if Trump is the nominee. This is just like how Ohio Governor John Kasich refused to attend the convention in his home state when Donald Trump was nominated in 2016. Trump then ignored Kasich, who became irrelevant, and Trump single-handedly turned Ohio solidly Republican. Paul Ryan and other never-Trumpers face a similar exile for grandstanding now against the presumptive Republican nominee Trump. Trump is constantly hounded by the sock puppets of globalism. And rather than criticizing Trump, politicians like Paul Ryan should be working to grow the Republican Party in the pivotal swing states. Ryan should have worked harder to hold on to the GOP majority in the House in 2018 and to help win Wisconsin in 2020, when instead Paul Ryan quit at a young age and now carps against Donald Trump. If the foremost enemy of we the people is globalism, then Donald Trump is a formidable champion to fight on our behalf. His bona fides of fighting against globalism remain unquestioned by both his friends and his enemies. Those that used his political inexperience as a reason to abstain in 2016 can no longer cling to that lame excuse. However, the burden still remains on grassroots activists to get the word out. The globalists may be able to put up billboards and Facebook ads, but they cannot artificially reproduce the energy of an effective grassroots army. If you've never dipped your toes into the water of political activism, now is the time to dive in. More opportunities exist for eager volunteers than ever before. Make plans now for how you will do your part to ensure that we the people, not they the globalists, pick the next president of the United States.
0: This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Our mission, clearly stated at phyllisschlafly.com, is to enable and mobilize grassroots activism on behalf of cherished conservative values. You're encouraged today to go online and read the goals we support and those we oppose. Then join us. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and come back next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
1: Welcome back, welcome back, Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Hey, let's finish up uh, um, with a uh, prayer for Easter. You may know the Pro America Report. We have a, a my, one of the things I do, and uh, we call it the uh, Prayer for America. Is every every Friday, ten a.m. Central Time, we do a prayer for America. It's a prayer call. You're always welcome to join if you uh, if you email me. Or, uh, text me, email ed at at phillislafway.com, uh, text me 314-256-1776. Everyone's welcome, men and women of goodwill. But we pray then. And it's Christian prayer. I mean, there's, there's people that are of other, uh, denominations and faiths and different things that I've prayed with in the past. But this, is a, a, a prayer for America is a Christian prayer. It's, a, it's, and we have prayer participants who will lead us in some scripture and some reflections, but it's always 30 minutes. And this, this week, obviously, and this weekend, um, Easter Sunday is, you know, the the most important uh, celebration of what I believe in my heart uh, and what I believe with all my being is the truth, and that is that Christ is our Savior. Uh, He saved you. He saved me. Um, Well, he'll save you if you ask, but he saved me, and uh, that he has, in this earthly realm, put us here as his church uh, to be uh, evangelizing to be reaching out to be loving our neighbors to be seeking justice and to otherwise be uh living righteously and um you know learning from his scripture and uh, and prayer and so it's a big big deal uh, for those of us i hope you have time to slow down and not just think about the easter bunny and vacation and spring break and kids off from school but to consider um that as christians around the world gather and even more than gather um in prayer, uh have solidarity. And I'll tell you a quick story, one of the most important in my life was I was um I was in Indonesia after college. I graduated college. I was 20 uh two years old and I went to Indonesia for a year. And I got there in August and I came home in about July. So it was a little bit less than a year. And while I was there, I was very homesick. Indonesia is a Muslim country. There are lots of uh, uh, there are lots of um, missionaries there. There's uh, many different kinds of churches. There's plenty of Catholic churches and Protestant churches and different things. Um, but it's a Muslim country. Predominantly, um, heavily so. a Couple hundred million, 180, 200 million people, and most of them are Muslim. So on Fridays, you'll hear the call to prayer and you'll see the, um, during, um, um, Eid al-Fitri, it's called, uh, the celebration after Ramadan. It's a big deal. So very observant people, by the way. And, and before, at the time I was there, there had not been yet an, a, um, uh, a terrorist element to their Islam, uh, that later sprung up in Indonesia and, and was cultivated in Indonesia. But anyway, so I was there living in 1993. And it comes around towards Easter time. And I'm by myself. I had I had periodically traveled with another researcher and he was gone off. I don't know where. So I was by myself. I was in a place that was completely off away from where I had been. I had been in Bali and Jakarta and Maidan in North Sumatra. And this time I was in a small uh, town uh, on Sulawesi and I had been traveling uh, to get to somewhere and I just knew I would have some downtime. So I, I set up in a you know, what they call a homestay, a little um, kind of a rental, like a, a VRBO. Uh, not really. It's just a rental um, unit, but not a hotel, not a motel either, not a hotel anyway, just a small little rental kind of hut. And I was brutally homesick. I mean, I missed my family, my brother, my sister, my mom and dad. I missed my friends. I had just six months before been at college. I was at the top of my Class and I was finishing college. I had played sports. I had been involved in the church groups. I was, at, it was like the height of, you know, when you're a senior in college and you've succeeded, I graduated on top of the world. Now I'm in Indonesia, homesick, n- no place to go, no place to celebrate Easter, nothing. And I remember distinctly on Good Friday, so the Friday before Easter, thinking, I got nowhere to go. I have nowhere to go this weekend. And I don't, to this, to this day, I don't know what I did on Easter Sunday that year. I don't, I did certainly didn't have friends or family to have a meal with or anything, but I remember spending most of that day, that Friday, reading my Bible. I had taken with me a study Bible and spending most of the day reading and praying and thinking about what was going on. Now you could say, Hey, what a self-indulgent, spoiled American kid. Yeah, all that. I mean, I had this great privilege doing research and, and traveling, but there I was. It was like a retreat. And I remember the distinct impression, not the feeling. It was more than a feeling. It was an impression on me that I had everything I needed in those moments, in the readings I was doing, in the prayer I was doing, and it was a great consolation. It was the consolation that I recognize when I read others. Even in fact, like uh, Solsidenza, when he talks about how you can find in your surroundings, even if it's a jail cell, all that you need. And uh, and anyway, it was extraordinary. And since that time. I have always thought that I I have lots of opportunities to do things for Easter with my family, and I love it. We're going to have a great time. And celebrations at church, I love it. But that those hours were transformative in a way. What a gift. And so my hope, as you have Easter, is that you and your family, you won't have hours, you won't be in Indonesia, but that you find some moments where you get that consolation, that realization of the great gift of Christ dying for us, and resurrecting, resurrecting from the dead. What a mystery, what a gift of faith, what a privilege. Happy Easter, everybody. I'm Ed Martin. It's the Pro-America Report. We'll be back uh, next week. Happy Easter.
0: This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego